God and Father, we just hopefully, as once again we open my word and pray for my help and guidance. We thank you that we do have that which guide and direct our pathway in this world in which we live. We thank you we have that which shows us the way of salvation as we live to life. And we thank you for this time that we've had together. We thank you for the songs that we've been able to sing, the joy we've been able to express. And we just commit the remaining of the evening to be also. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So sometimes we hear people say, Unjustly. And we might hear them say, uh, why are you judging? What do they mean by that? Well, I suppose people can mean many things by that statement. But I think probably in the best sense, it's because they're doing something or maybe they're wearing something or dressing a certain way. People form certain opinions about them that are not correct. And I can understand that. We don't like being misjudged. You know, there was a man in the Bible whose name was Job. And it wasn't anything that he did or anything that he was wearing, but something that happened to him to cause three friends to come and sit down, and then they proceeded to cast judgment upon him. And each of those three friends completely misjudged Job. Now, Job was perhaps the most upright man that ever walked this earth, excluding, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God had to bring him down terribly low so that he might learn that in the sight of God, he was nothing. And it wasn't his own righteousness that made him fit to stand before God. If there was anyone less than Job, the man could have pointed the finger and say, oh, wow, yeah, but, you know, he did this or he did that. And that's exactly what his friends did to him. But I want to spend just a few minutes in looking through Scripture to see what it has to say about judging. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 1, says, Judge not, that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged, and with what measures you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, and considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? How wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye? Behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Here I have, I believe, we have what we might call hypocritical judgment and a judgmental spirit, and they're condemned by God. We're not to judge others by our own standards. We're not to be hypocritical in our judgments. And we're not to have a judgmental spirit. Job's friends had a judgmental spirit. And it rendered them completely and utterly pitiless. They had no compassion 
in the commission that I've been given that I am failing in. But he says, my own thoughts are justified me, but I'm not aware of anything. And then he went on to say, therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes. Right? I should have mentioned, but he that judges me is the Lord. In other words, Paul says, the only one that I'm accountable to is my master, the one who has given me the stewardship. Then he goes on to say, therefore, judge nothing before the time. Don't judge my motive until the Lord comes who both will bring to life the hidden things of darkness and make manifest the counsels of the past. And then, to every man has praise of God. Now, the Corinthians found lots of fault in the Apostle Paul. They criticized him for this, they criticized him for that, they criticized him for his stature, they criticized him for the way he spoke. They criticized him for not taking money from them. If they could find fault with him, they found fault with the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says, My judge is the Lord. He is the one that gave me the job to do. Wait until the time, and then I will, will or will not receive praise of God. You see, the hidden things that are spoken of here are the motives of the heart. What motivates us? And one of the things that John's friends got into was they were attempting to judge Job according to the hidden things of the heart, which they had no knowledge of. They were stepping outside of the bounds of that which, humanly speaking, we can know. They didn't know what was going on between God and Job, but yet they dared to speak to God. When we take a judgmental position, where it's really a position of pride, we exalt ourselves and think that we know what's going on, the motives that are governing another's heart. And we threat where we don't, where we should not threat. But I would ask the question are we never to judge? Let's see what Scripture has to say on that. Let's turn back to Matthew 7. Ultimately, uh, let me, before we get to that point, what should characterize us in this day in which we live? I believe we find in Ephesians, in the in many verses we could, I could use for this, but this one comes to mind. The last verse of Ephesians 4. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. A judgmental, hypocritical spirit that seeks to delve into things that can possibly know is contrary to Christianity. Contrary. It is not a spirit of kindness. You know, we live in a day of grace. Grace is not exactly the same thing as graciousness, though I wouldn't want to disconnect the two thoughts. But we have to exhibit grace in our lives. The difference is Israel under the law, a demand was placed upon them under grace. God's not raising a demand upon us in that same way. He's given us everything that we need for this walk down here, for our salvation and for our life and for our walk. That's what grace is. Now let's go back to Matthew chapter 7. In the same chapter, it begins with, Judge not that you be not judged. Says in verse 15, the same chapter that says, Beware of false prophets. How did he identify 
He says, lay hands on the man, Timothy. Laying on hands, Timothy, walking up, grabbing a person. But it was the laying on of hands. Laying on hands never conferred anything upon a person, but it identified you with their work. So that when uh, Paul went out in the ministry, if I can find it quickly, Back in Acts. Well, anyway, they laid hands on, on him. Um, and with that dedication with the ministry that he had been given by God, we can digress into the subject of laying on hands, but we just want to lack of time. If you have any questions about it, we're happy to share what I've learned on it. But Timothy was called, don't identify with a man suddenly. Why? Because you could, by doing so, be a partaker of their sins. This is something that's universal, almost universally denied in Christianity today. That by identification with an individual that's going on in sin takes you, affects you. Breaking bread is a sign of fellowship. And so in 1 Corinthians 10, it brings that up. We are not to have fellowship with devils. We're not fellowship with those that have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, we could digress into the subject there. But when we identify with another person that's going on in sin, we uh, become a partaker of those sins, as it says here. Um, neither be partaker of another man's sins. Keep thyself if he wasn't to lay hands on anyone suddenly, when did he lay hands upon them? When did he identify with them in their work? Well, he was to observe them. He was to observe them. Why? Because some men seem to open plan. You can tell by their life and the way they're living that they're not going on to the Lord. But with others, it's not clear. It's hidden. So Timothy was to observe, and he was to form a judgment. Based on the fruits of their lives. And conversely, just as equally on the positive side, a person could be working for the Lord, and in some men, their good works is just very evident. You can tell from their lives. And others, well, it's called as if they're going on for the Lord, doing these works, their works uh, cannot be hit. The good works cannot be hit. They will become visible. And then, Timothy, you'll know that it's okay to identify with that person in their service to the Lord. So Timothy was very clearly told here he was to form judgments. He was to consider the works of another, the fruits in their lives, and he was to form an opinion based on that, whether he should identify with them in their work or not. In 1 Corinthians 10, when it comes to assembly matters, Let's make it very clear. Well, let's begin with 1 Corinthians 5. In Corinth, there was a very wicked man in the assembly. He had done something that everybody knew about, and that assembly did nothing. Perhaps they were of the opinion, well, we can show this man love. But the Apostle Paul has to rebuke them sharply and tell them that, no, they had a responsibility. That individual was going on with them and breaking bread with them, and they were identified with that sin. And so they were to 
deal with that matter. They were to judge. And then, in other matters that may not relate to sin and moral evil, in the sixth chapter, the apostle points out, when one is going to war, can't you resolve matters with brothers amongst yourself? He says, dare any of you having a matter against none that are more before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints are judged the world? Again, we're called upon to make judgments when it comes to matters. The assembly has a responsibility to make judgments. So let me just summarize what I've said. I think this subject of judging others is widely misunderstood. No, we're not to have a judgmental spirit. That should not be the spirit that characterizes us as Christians. We're starting to show kindness one to another, grace one to another. We should have a forgiving spirit. We shouldn't execute hypocritical judgment. And as I said, a judgmental spirit and hypocritical judgment typically go hand in hand. We are to judge people according to their fruits. On the other hand, oh, I, I, in my summaries, becoming confused. Um, I missed one other point. We are not to judge people's motives. We're not to have hypocritical judgment. We're not to have a judgmental spirit. We're not to judge other people's motives. In other words, we bring to that which we are not privy to. It goes beyond what we know. But on the other hand, we are to judge people according to their work, according to their fruit, according to the things they say, not according to our standard, but according to the Word of God. We are to recognize false prophets. The assembly has a responsibility to judge evil that's in their midst. And to not judge that evil means that we go on and we are partakers of that evil. Timothy was forewarned not to identify quickly with a man that he didn't know, but to observe him. And his walk would make it apparent. It was a form of judgment based on the individual's walk, whether he should be identified with him or not in his work, in his ministry. And, and then the, the final verse that after I read in, in 1 Corinthians 6 again, find there that the assembly has a responsibility to address matters, form judgments in uh, cases where there's difficulties or questions uh, between big individuals. Not to go to war, certainly. So I don't know if that's a help to you or not, but don't let anyone ever tell you for example, based on Matthew chapter 7, the first few verses that we're not to judge. The same chapter is the very same chapter that says, By their fruits, you shall know them. Let's just close with prayer.